and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another wild, whimsical Wednesday for Torch Report 531. Governments absurdly claim they are nourishing the human soul. Friends, you're not going to believe this until you see it with your own eyes or hear it with your own ears as read to you by your favorite fuzzy peasant. But first, let's go ahead and start out and take it from the top because he's back! That was the headline over at Drudge Report this morning. And uh, the front page of Drudge, I think, kind of indicates just how far the gaslighting is now being taken. It's being taken to a whole new level, uh, stratospheric gaslighting, if you will, about Trump beating Nikki Haley up uh, in New Hampshire. Of course, that was expected. We Everybody knew that Trump was going to beat Nikki Haley in New, in New Hampshire, but, you know, despite the fact that nearly 75% of Nikki Haley's voters in New Hampshire were actually desperate Democrats who were pretending to be Republicans just for the day so they could bump Trump off the ballot. Since they can't get him off the ballot in the courts with the judicial activists, now they're going to they're gonna sign up and vote as Republicans to get Trump off the ballot. They're going to they're gonna vote for the warmongering deep state asset known as Dick Cheney in three-inch heels. Anyway, it's all just very democratic of them, right? I mean, I think we should expect to see more of this kind of chicanery uh, with Democrats signing up as Republicans in the primaries to bump the most uh, desirable candidate, the strongest candidate, off the ballot. At any rate, regardless of the outcome, Dick Cheney's protege claims that the race is far from over. She vows to fight on, no doubt, wearing three-inch heels. Meanwhile, the leftist rag Politico is absurdly suggesting that Donald J. Trump Trump's latest win now means that Biden is getting the opponent he wants. Biden gets the opponent he wants. Yes, it's a Biden-Trump death match. You know, the Biden camp, they're eager, man. Bring it on. We're ready. We're going to take Trump to town, man. You know, Biden's a, a Biden gets the opponent he wants? Are you kidding me? That is... That's the epitome of gaslighting. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. It's preposterous. It's absurd. Oh, anyway, over at Mediaite, uh, even a an ex-Trump aide turned Fox News host says that New Hampshire was a good night for Joe Biden. He said it on live TV and evidently, you know, having a ex-aide say that this was a good night for good old Joe. That enraged Trump. Donald Trump is enraged. And he's, it's, yeah, I put the headlines in here, friends. It's just stupid. Hey, by the way, friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever podcasts are heard, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com. Check out thetorchreport.com. You'll see the screenshots. I got several annotated screenshots in the headlines, uh, in the in the report today, kind of highlighting some of the headlines. The greatest gaslighting of all that I highlighted in that clip coming from the front page of Drudge are headlines that are suggesting that Donald Trump, who just trounced Nikki Haley, the deep state's Trojan horse, uh, is somehow mentally unfit. Right. There are there are headlines out there. More Trump speech slurring. You know, Trump is not well. It's a trending hashtag on Twitter. Uh, And I think the fact that Democrats are getting fed this line of drivel, it's just an absolute mockery. I I don't know how any self-respecting Democrat uh, could not feel as if they're getting spit in the face right now with all this gaslighting. You know, how 
the media, the left's media handlers think that they can paint Donald Trump as if he's in mental decline while uh, noticeably ignoring, obviously ignoring the obvious to everyone fact that crusty old Joe is but a shell of a man who can barely thread together a sentence is really, really beyond me. As a matter of fact, I mean, I don't know if you can pick up the audio on this, but Biden's mental decline has gone from bad to worse, and it's really just embarrassing. So I want to try to listen to this here. Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't you know, anyway, you know, brain dead Democrats, you know, they listen to this guy and they still cheer for him. Why? You know, well, because <laughs> they've been brainwashed, I guess. I don't know. But if you look at the uh, the clip of Joe shouting incoherently behind the angry old man, you know, shouting incoherently, don't mess with unless you want to get the benefits, you know, whatever the hell that means, whatever he was saying, standing behind him is a sea of shamelessly propped up and hopelessly confused young women. And these hopelessly confused, shamelessly propped up young women have a sign. They're all wearing, carrying signs that say, defend choice, defend choice. And unfortunately, you know, it seems unlikely to me that these poor miserable females grasp the fact that Joe, choosing Joe Biden is really no choice at all. They're not making any kind of choice here. You know, do they honestly believe that this cognitively impaired, corrupt career, career politician, the epitome of an old, senile, uber-rich, privileged white guy, that he is really the very best candidate to re- represent millions of liberal Americans? Really? Is that really a choice? No, obviously it's not. You know, their choices have long been made for them, as we're going to get into here today, uh, diving a little bit deep into some of the foundational beliefs of the global elites that we see feeding into all of this fleecing and gaslighting. These tools do not think for themselves. They don't, they, they, they don't, they don't have the capacity for critical thinking anymore. They simply parrot the narrative and vote for the woke because, well, they're woke. The poor, insufferable fools. You know, I wish, I wish they could see that they're being played, but I think, unfortunately, that's uh, a lost cause. But such is the contrast, friends. Donald Trump broke his own record up there in New Hampshire. He broke the record for winning the most votes and the highest percentage of the population in New Hampshire ever. He even beat Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders had some uh, relatively historic numbers in 2016, and I think that's a great reminder, timely reminder, of how the DNC has been giving Democrat voters like those poor you know, miserable females, the shaft uh, by rigging the election for Hillary Clinton. They, you know, gave Bernie Sanders the shaft. And of course, then they went on and argued in court that they had the right to do that. And of course, the great irony is uh, rather than young liberals and all the academic idiots out there waking up to the fact that their Democrat daddies are just a bunch of no good, low down, dirty, nasty, lying crooks, these morons are so brainwashed that now they're standing in solidarity with a feeble, incompetent sock puppet that represents everything they claim to hate. Friends, if that's not proof of their discontent, I'm sorry, disconnect from reality, I don't know what is. You know, it's it's as if snow is black. Are you familiar with that phrase, snow is black? Do you know where it came from? Well, 
as it turns out, I was digging into the archives to try to find when I first referenced Snow is Black, that phrase. And on July 11th, 2022, I published Torch Report 154, How the Useful Idiots Are Getting Used. And that report elucidates how politicians are preying upon the unsuspecting masses using tactics that are straight out of the Communist Manifesto. It's all tied to the, you know, the globalist Great Reset agenda and all of that. And now that's why I like to say, drum roll, please! The commies are taking over the world! But... There was a passage in there, I think, that really speaks to today's discussion here. And I'm just going to read it for you. Quote, Marx was a genius in his own right. He figured out how to use language with a hidden higher meaning to convince the useful idiots that they were fighting for justice and equality, when in reality they were simply consolidating power in the hands of a few power-hungry elites. By using the peasants to do their bidding, communists try to come off as the champion of the little guy, all the while conditioning them to be slaves, conditioning them into servitude. And it works. Works. Why? Because, 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 because a certain percentage of the human population is content to be slaves. They appreciate the protection and the provisions. They're given food and shelter, and all they have to do is what they're told. Then they're praised for being good humans, and that means they won't have to suffer the wrath of their masters, i.e. getting beaten like slaves. Friends, it's husbandry, pure and simple, period, end quote. By the way, husbandry is the domestication of wild animals, in case you didn't know. Now, in the two years since I wrote that excerpt, and it really does come to bear on what I'm getting into here today, I realized that this phenomenon goes way beyond a certain percentage of the population just being to content being content to live like slaves. There's always going to be some people are just okay doing what they're told, you know, and and I don't care. Hey, if I got to do what I'm told, obey the master, at least I'm not getting beat with a big stick, right? So I think that said, that's a tale that's as old as time. But it's this conditioning them into servitude that's taken on a whole new meaning for me because, I, you know, given the science behind menticide and subconscious taming and all of that that's come to light during thousands of hours of the interim research, I'm going, holy smokes, they know how. What's happening in the world today? When you get down to it, is a scientific assassination of the human spirit, menticide, subconscious taming. It was predicted to be possible a long time ago. But the modern day tyrants today, they have the tools and the techniques to perfect this sort of evil art. Now, that said, kind of brings me up to... Lord Bertrand Russell. You guys know Bertrand Russell. Uh, he's known as the arch enemy of humanity. He published a seminal work, The Impact of Science on Society, back in 1953. I want to point out that this is within uh, about six years of the Rape of the Mind book by Dr. Jos Merlou, who was talking about it's clinically possible to bring the mind into a state of uh, submission, subconscious taming. That was 1947, subconscious taming, 1947, The Impact of Science on Society by Bertrand Russell, 1953. The perspectives that Russell articulates throughout the book, I believe, form 
the bedrock of kind of the, the elitist, eugenicist, globalist, communist worldview that is so prevalent among the ruling class today. In other words, we might say that the modern progressives adhere to the philosophies of Bertrand Russell Hook line and sinker. He did their thinking for them a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago. And as such, friends, we would be wise to revisit and reflect on Bertrand Russell's twisted thinking to kind of help grasp how the globalists think. But first, I want to connect the dots here between the impact of science and the assassination of the human spirit. And to do so, I want to share this spiffy little quote from the UN's Science for Society page. And I came across this Science for Society page this morning when I, I did a search for the impact of society, of science on society. I searched for that, and the Science for Society thing came up at the UN. I thought, hmm, well, let me just read it to you. Quote, science is the greatest collective endeavor. It contributes to ensuring a longer and healthier life, monitoring our health, provides medicine to cure our diseases, alleviates aches and pains, helps us to provide water for our basic needs, including our food, provides energy and makes life more fun, including sports, music, entertainment, and the latest communications technologies. And last but not least, science, it nourishes our spirit, period, End quote. Now, to the uninitiated, those words would be very inspiring and uplifting. It sounds so wonderful, you know. But to the you know, astute listening audience of the torture port, to those who can see clearly through all the flowery language, the words are riddled with the hidden higher meaning that Marx was so fond of using and Marxists use relentlessly today. So regardless of, you know, what we think about the language here, I think the most pertinent aspect of this collective endeavor of science is the subtle, misleading suggestion that science somehow nourishes our spirit. Again, I'm quoting the UN here. To suggest, they suggest that science nourishes our spirit. And perhaps... Maybe for a scientist who's investigating the deep mysteries of the universe, science would nourish the spirit. However, that's not what's being suggested here. What, what they're suggesting is that science, as a collective endeavor, note the language, science as a collective endeavor is an indispensable aspect of society. That's true. And that rightly falls under the dominion of government, and that's False. So that's what they're saying. You know, they're mixing the true and false here. Science is an indispensable aspect of society. Yeah, sure. And that means it falls under the dominion of government, right? Wrong. You know, I mean, come on, who else can ensure that we have a longer and healthier life and, and monitor our health and provide us medicine and cure our disease and provide for our basic needs like food, water, energy, and the latest communication technology? I mean, come on, who could do that? Now, if your instinct is to claim that these societal functions rest squarely in the expertise of individuals and capital markets, you would not be wrong. But understand this, that in the collective hive mind, all of this absolutely must be regulated by the state. Otherwise, the greedy capitalist pigs and, and corporations, they would be preying upon the poor, helpless peasants. That's why we have governments, don't you know? And the thinking goes, we have governments to control such things as greedy capitalist corporations and, of course, to keep people safe. So from the collectivist point of view, 
Only strong governments can ensure that we have a longer and healthier life, monitor our health, provide us with medicine, cure our diseases, and provide for our most basic needs like food, water, energy, and, of course, the latest communication technology. Obama phones! You know, which is to say that only strong governments have the ability to regulate science. That's what they're saying. And by extension, it's the role of the government to nourish the human spirit. Can you connect those dots? Don't think for a second that's not exactly what the globalists believe. The globalist. Uh, Look at me slurring my speech. I must be in cognitive decline. Nope, that's not it. I just need another sip of coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, remember when uh, Dr. Yuval Noah Harari said that that humanity needs to get over the idea that we have mysterious souls? Do you remember that? Do you remember that human beings are now just soulless, hackable animals, according to the global elites? Remember that? You know, that's what they would like us to believe because that's what they believe. And that kind of brings us back to Bertrand Russell and his famous quote. And I'm going to read it to you in full, uh, talking about Snow is Black. This This is how it reads, quote, It is for future scientists to discover exactly how much it costs per head to make children believe that snow is black and how much less it would cost to make them believe that it is dark gray, end quote. Now, that comes directly from the impact of science on society. And to me, friends, it's absolutely despicable. It's just despicable. But Russell goes on to say, quote, This subject will make great strides when it is taken up by scientists under a scientific dictatorship, period, end quote. Wow, this whole science of teaching kids that snow is black or or maybe snow is dark gray or whatever, you know, it's going to take great strides when we're under a scientific dictatorship. Friends, let me ask you, are we not there now? I'm here to tell you this this scientific dictatorship, this is much more sinister than you might imagine. We need to understand where Bertrand Russell was headed with all of this musing about teaching children that snow is black or or various shades of gray if that proved to be more economical. And so I'm going to share a little uh, kind of a lengthy excerpt here. And I quote, I read to you from Bertrand Russell. He says, it is to be expected that advances in physiology and psychology will give governments much more control over individual mentality than they now have, even in totalitarian countries. Education should aim at destroying free will so that after pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as their schoolmasters would have wished. Diets, injections, and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable, that the authorities consider desirable. And any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Period. End quote. State education, developing the sort of beliefs that authorities consider desirable so that any serious criticisms of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Friends, please, please, I plead with you, let the weight of those words sink in. Due to diet, injections, state education from a very early age, challenging the state will become psychologically impossible. 
The design of public education is to destroy free will, to produce citizens incapable of thinking for themselves or believing anything different than what the state has taught them to believe. Again, I ask, are we not there now? Once more, friends, I think we need to lift our heads up and look to where all of this was, is going. Bertrand Russell says, you know, you know, even if everyone is miserable, everyone will believe themselves to be happy because the government will tell them that they are so. The government will tell them that they're happy. That sounds an awful lot like eat the bugs, own nothing and be happy to me. I don't know. What do you think? You know, friends, this is all directly contrary to human nature, is it not? Who is happy when the masters make them eat bugs? Who is happy when the master takes their things? Who is happy when their entire life is reduced under despotism to living as slaves? Tell me, tell me now, friends. Only those whose souls have been nourished by the government. That's who believes those things. And as for the rest of us, resist we must. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, thetorturedfort.com. Find the heart, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed or any course of gravestone or of all if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this wild whimsical Wednesday. Stay wise. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.